0: gay space communism your favorite leftist star trek debacle which unfortunately is only available uh through audio cassettes that are available at your local library <laughs> anyway uh, i'm paul byron and uh I will, if you'll turn the tape over you'll be able to hear my co-hosts for this episode who are
1: beep
0: hey y'all i'm amy hassel
1: hey it's corey
0: and we are. Um, this is it. We're doing. A, we're doing skeleton crew. We got an easy mission, though. It's what's well, not an easy mission at all. It's a very elite mission. We've sent our forces already ahead. We're we're slipping in, and we're trying to figure out what how you enjoy Star Trek when IOTZ is on strike because of streaming services, and that's the only way you watch anything anymore ever. Yeah.
1: Um. Well, as of as of this recording.
0: They got a week.
1: I, I, they I got have less. A, they have I got
0: a, four days.
1: Yeah, they they have a few more days to to possibly hammer out an agreement. But you know, we we uh, several of us on the the pod have connections with folks in that arena, and it's not looking likely that they are going to reach an agreement. And so we're assuming that by the time you hear this, dear listener, that they are on strike. Hopefully, it's resolved relatively quickly. Well, I mean, at but, this
0: stage, yeah. like it's been this long, you're like, oh, okay, four days to go. Better start right. being rebel That's the that's the hallmark yeah. of fucking hollywood right
1: well did you see the news did you see the news today that like in in anticipation of the strike starting on this this coming monday that the, uh, double the producers, extra hours and, yeah, hours yeah. they started scheduling extra shifts like is there any better way to say fuck Christ. you go ahead and i dare you to strike like come on like you are really playing with fire you really don't think these people are gonna walk off the job like i've seen the lines they are they are ready i mean i
0: Ultimately, it, there's a just, I mean, like, and I don't know what may or may not have happened on the weekend that we're talking about, but golly, it's real easy to roll your ankle or, like, get a three day flu or just have a sinus yep. infection or just a COVID scare. And you now you got to isolate. I got to, I got to test. I can't, I can't come in. I got to wait for my test to come back. Sorry. See? Yeah. Now there's all kinds of reasons you, ooh, I, ah, shit. This is my sister's wedding. She had this scheduled months and months ago before yep. this. Anyway, so we're not going to be talking about things we've been watching because this whole episode is kind of about how you engage with content when content is not constantly available for streaming 24 hours a day in your pocket and you have to actually like i don't know like remember tv shows or like expand on characters through uh fiction other media because you can't afford to make another tv show of your tv show uh so we got we got a few topics today but amy you did a fucking book report is am i correct Oh, God. Are we
1: going to do that now are we going to do well, that Well, we're doing it now because that's
0: all there is of what have you been watching lately. It's okay. Amy and this fucking erotic novel. Well, okay, so so I'll give you- Starring Carl, the guardian, the guardian of forever.
2: Okay, so I'll give you my first impressions because- well, let's stop. Honestly, I missed a couple What did you things. read? I read M. Zoddy by Peter David. God bless him. Uh, I, I don't okay, know. Okay, maybe um, not. Did his job. Wrote the uh, book. yeah yeah he is he is not the exception that proves the rule that men shouldn't write romance novels and what um what year did this uh did this gem come out i just want to that'd be
0: 1992 Ah, the golden age of publishing we thought we'd never stop buying fabio covers
1: uh that was also wasn't that also the year of like the year of the woman when like a record number of women got elected to congress or was that 94
0: um I uh, I'm sorry. I was an age at that time and would have no way of knowing any of that.
1: Yeah, I'm the I'm the designated old for this episode. So um, there's going to be a lot of whole a lot of back in my day.
2: Yeah, Paul and Corey are going to tell me about the good old days yes. when the
0: internet was okay. Yeah. Oh, whoa, whoa! The, no one ever. Let me tell you. Let me talk
1: about dial-up kids, dial-up modems, which is what my first internet experience was like. <laughs> Nobody ever
0: said that the internet was ever okay. I want to be like, that is not the position of this podcast. Just to, whoa.
2: So um, certain details about this I'll reveal later. Maybe we can do a re- recurring segment or something because I really want to listen to it a couple more times, but it's narrated by Jonathan Frakes. So that man that is, is
0: Star Trek at this point. That man can't st- He cannot yeah. get other work, but why would you want it? Oh.
1: Jonathan Frakes. And
0: he does all the voices. Jonathan
1: Frakes narrated an erotic novel. What?
0: <laughs> Wait, starring himself also, because this is a Riker story. Yes. And did you just he
2: say? He does himself, both young and old, younger than TNG and older than TNG. He does two versions of and himself. And you just said to me, he does the voices. Am I? Let's yes. talk more about that. He does, he does like Frakes' version of Troy and Frakes' version of Picard and Frakes' version of Data and Worf. It's weird. Oh my god. You goodness. have got
0: to get clips of these. I need this. I need this all so bad. Thank you. That being said, carry on, please. Book report. Oh, um, oh it's already very, yes. very so, weird. Um,
2: okay, okay. So let me let me set the context because the reason this slipped through my parents into my 10-year-old tender imagination is because the romantic portions happen as flashback chapters in
0: the middle of a book about death and loss. I'm looking at the uh, Memory Alpha article. Real quick, I just sort of scrolled it open and looked at it to see some pertinent details. Immediate jumping out is, while being telepathically violated, Troy flashed back to a conversation. What? Okay, after playing the trombone for Troy, Riker stated, I knew I could count on my Imzadi, the ship's counselor, to improve my self-image. This doesn't sound great at all. I love it, though. I Sounds am... awful. Okay, um... Get in there. The meat yeah. It-,
2: it gives you the
0: meat cute with Riker and Troy. Because you always want. Wonder- okay. How did these two people that obviously shouldn't be together meet? You ready? You ready?
2: The young Lieutenant Riker, recently assigned to Z is invited to a Betazoid wedding. And, you know, we all know what that means, right? Beta, wait, oh, Betazoid, Wait, Betazoid bridesmaids? To go. Fuck yeah!
0: Betazoid's bridesmaids are horny right. as shit. They got all that empath dripping off them. They're like, <laughs>
2: ah, I wish I were fucking, ah, why? And you know, every seat is padded at a Betazoid wedding. <laughs> you yeah, know, with sponges. Because it happens naked, you know. So the scene is this: Riker reports to his commanding officer.
0: Yo, dude, I gotta go to this. The guy is
2: like put upon, like put upon, like
0: oh, I have to
2: go to this wedding for, like, a fancy person's niece or something. Lwaxana's niece or something. And the like Admiral's like, well, at least you don't have to rent a suit. Yeah. And the young Lieutenant Riker goes, well, I'll do that for you if we just need a representative of the Federation. And the dude's like, sure, go ahead. Nobody tells him anything about the getting naked part.
0: You feel so like this would come up like... if you were at the fucking training for the place if they're like, hey, just a heads up. Here are some of the major cultural markers of Betazoid culture. Here's some of the things you might be invited to. Oh, by the way, they do everything with their dicks out. That's anyway. They drive on the <laughs> (laughs) left and the powers at all 220
1: that is the thing that they do with the with the military is that they do train people to be able to interact culturally and be aware of cultural norms so yeah like you said paul it's a thing that should have come up
0: you at least mentioned it weddings they're naked just that don't bring a clock as a gift shit like there's basics right like no, he gets
2: to the wedding and they realize the commandant or something hasn't told him anything. And they just like chuckle and keep the joke going. So this, this young woman like escorts him in. Okay, but I would 100% um,
0: you're doing that. Of course I'm doing that. Yeah. If- okay, this is a line
2: from this scene. So Riker goes in with his clothes on at first. And then he gets uncomfortable because everybody else is naked. And he's actually attracting more attention. So he goes back out and takes the Get your
0: dick out of your pants, and buddy!
2: Here's the line. Lieutenant Riker, you have nothing to be ashamed of at all.
1: Oh my. (laughs) Well. Maybe they're just
2: real little on Betazoid. I don't know. Uh, So he thinks Troy is going to be the bride, right? Because she's like starting the ceremony and stuff. But then it turns out that's just part of the bridesmaid's duty. And she like pulls the bride out of the audience and he's like, oh. So they're fucking meat cute.
1: Oh my god.
2: He, like, says hi to her, and she's like, absolutely fucking not. <laughs> and, and he's like, um, well, you're training to be a psychologist. I'd love to become the kind of man you'd want to be with.
0: Oh, great. Oh. You can fix me, oh. baby! Oh you can fix me! Yeah. Yeah. yeah! Why don't I be your graduate project, huh? Oh, my God. <laughs> See, maybe, maybe culture is wrong. Maybe it was wrong to have stories and imaginations and thinking. Yeah.
1: Anyway, that's been the show. Let's wrap
0: it all up. Turn the internet down. We're done. Um, Everybody go back to farming. But this whole thing takes
2: place as like the reminiscence of a 70-year-old Riker who's taking care of Loxana's effects because she just died.
1: Oh, wow. And
2: she left him to do it as a last punishment for allowing Troy to die. Whoa. Troy
0: has died 50 years ago. Whoa. Deanna or Laksana? Yeah. Deanna. Deanna's Deanna. dead. Luxana's like, yep. I really hated how much you boned down my daughter and not me. Her dying breath was I blame you.
1: Wow, that's heavy. And then
2: he has to go through all this shit and do these flashbacks, and that's the format of the story. That doesn't
1: sound very loxana though. I don't think that's she would do that.
0: Dear Beta Z letters. I never thought it would happen to me until <laughs> I finally and then fucking shit. God damn. <laughs> So there's a kidnapping, but it's Riker that gets kidnapped.
1: So this whole this whole, like, sample of, of dialogue that you just provided, it just gave me like a, a very unpleasant flashback to, uh, we'll, we'll talk about these more at some other time, but I've been uh, reading the Expanse novels, which I love the Expanse novels, but I gotta say, I really think, you know, all respect to the authors, the show versions of the women characters in particular are so, so much better. And the dialogue is so much better. Like, you can tell it's a couple of dudes writing about how they think women talk when they're aroused or just excited or whatever. And it's just not, it's no, it's bad. It's not good.
2: Yeah. Riker and Troy's romance is really, really seriously just him throwing himself at her until she's finally like, actually, this is pretty hot. Like, the first time he touches her, she like hauls back and slaps him. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> like, and then like fucking four chapters later it's like and this time there was no intellectualizing.
1: But what's so bizarre yeah. about it, like their their relationship on TNG was I thought really well constructed and and well handled Annoying both by true, the writers but both by the writers and the actors and and it's just surprising that in you know after having that kind of foundation to build on that they would take the novel in this direction.
0: Okay, maybe Imzadi 2 is, it really ties all this together better and like gives it a lot better of an ending. It's called Triangle Imzadi 2. There's a fucking sequel to this book, ladies and gentlemen, in Clouds of desentia Das. Yeah. There are, there's, it's a trilogy and you guys are going to hear all about it. Oh, God. this is so alright so that's kind of why we're here though like right because like the whole point of the IATSE strike is that the streaming services are not paying what they should for these shows that they're having made and the people that are making them they're winning Emmys I mean and we've talked I believe briefly about how all of the new Star Trek is streaming only possibly Mm -hmm. the express purpose of this I mean granted they get a five dollars a cut for every subscriber so that's a good starting off base but it definitely feels like the savings is higher than the the revenues on that in some in a lot of contexts or could be but that's something we'll have somebody on to tell us more about that exact numerics later but anyway it's a little sketchy so we're not trying to talk about this show we're not we can't we're gonna leave the show alone and we can talk about other ways to deal with this yeah
1: I, did, I do want to say one thing, like, just really quick, just so that everyone, you know, has this kind of piece of context. And we're, we're working to get some folks involved in IOTC on the show to be able to talk in more detail about this. But just so that you're aware of, like, how obscene this is. Think about, if you're listening to this right now, how do you watch television? Do you actually have, like, a cable subscription or a satellite subscription and you watch it that way? Or do you exclusively watch on streaming? Like, most of us, I think most of our audience, if not all of our audience are people that would be. Uh, those that use streaming services exclusively because most people have cut the cable
0: well advertising is a nightmare and the only reason to get in there is sports right. and live news basically right. they and the right. cable knows that right news. right
1: right and so the producers that run these streaming services and run shows on these streaming services have the absolute balls to tell the production crew that They don't have to pay the same rates that they pay for standard television and film production for the same job, the same work hours or more work hours even because streaming is considered an experimental platform look, who can say
0: if Stranger Things or Squid Game or any of that's really going to take off? I mean, like, I don't know. They're it's streaming it. an
1: experimental platform, and that is, like, literally the way almost everyone consumes content now, and that is complete bullshit. So if you are somebody that watches all of your content through streaming services, that should really piss you off, that the people that are making this content, that are breaking their backs and destroying their lives to produce these fantastic shows for us to enjoy, for us to binge watch and then complain that we don't have anything to watch about on lockdown, that they're being treated that way and they're being told that this is this is still an experimental platform so we don't have to pay you as much. Fuck you.
0: mean, it's important, like, all across the board, right? Even without streaming, there are more full-time YouTubers than there are coal miners in this fucking country. And there will be more YouTube videos than there will be coal in the very, very foreseeable future. So, like, we do need to, like, yeah. Sorry, Amy, I was yelling about coal miners. Yeah.
2: Oh no, no. Um, Well, like, streaming created the conditions that made TV watchable for me. Like, I don't really like shows before it was streaming format where people considered the entire story before they produced a first season, and... You know, besides like Star Trek, there's very little episodic TV I care about. You know,
1: <laughs> let me tell you that having to wait a whole week to watch a new show, which I know they're doing that with the new Star Treks, where you still have to wait each week for the new release. But most most of the platforms do drop the season all at once, and that that waiting a whole week to watch a new show is just brutal.
0: That's true. But I mean, on the other hand, there's these great benefits. I'm watching One Piece right now, and those episodes are 22 minutes long on the little bar. They're like 10 minutes long that I can scroll past the previously on and. Th- through the seven minute fucking opening sequence and past the things they're like yep we're recapping i remember this also i was just but i was also just watching it so i don't you know (laughs) like it's different than week to week but oh man i would not be able to watch a lot of shows if i had to wait for them to finish reminding me what happened when i watched the show because i wanted to know what happened And, like, it's very challenging because a lot of shows are hard to watch outside of the ability to fast forward. Like, there are things I want to watch, and I'm like, I know where this conversation goes. I don't want to watch this.
2: Well, and does, like, She-Ra or Sense8 really get created, you know, for cable?
0: Uh, well, I mean, there's, I there are other problems with the way that that streaming works, right? Like I've seen this critique yeah. has been laid yeah. down that like these are unmemorable shows. Like if yeah. you had to watch, I believe the example of the thing that I was reading was um, uh, Orange is the New Black, but it carries for almost any of these shows. If you had to watch them week to week, would you remember, would you care to like, if you could not chew them all through in a weekend, would you actually get into this story? Name one character for a thing that was like, what super memorable things happen in a lot of these shows? And like, that's just a pile of references. They've made enough television for me to watch.
1: Well, see, I you know I think that there are some shows that that would apply to. So, for example, like if we go back to before streaming, one of the earliest kind of television fandoms that I participated in, and this is oh, you're about gonna, to say this, that
0: four-letter word, aren't you? What? Which one? Is it? It's a four-letter word. So.
1: Well, no, it's not. Oh, no, it's uh,
0: not. oh good, because that's that no. was. Just, no, I was I was working in a kitchen during Lost, and oh man, they were in suffering. Oh no, no, What's no! Yours? I never yeah, it I
1: list, Actually, I've never watched a, do it. a single episode of Lost. It's not worth lost. it. They
0: said they were gonna wrap it up, and it was all yeah. a thing. They weren't, they were just fucking you around for five years It was fantastic, good for them,
1: big
2: scam really glad we forgot about lost personally
1: (laughs) but the reason why I never got into lost is because I I was working overseas in uh in Iraq at the time and I I didn't have access to TV so like but this is before then and this this is gonna piss some people off because there's because obviously this show has aged very very badly and is plays into a lot of really awful tropes but listen you know in my early twenties, 24 I got big into oh yeah I I used to like fucking and Kiefer Sutherland's kind of an asshole I mean he so like there's that going on as well but yeah no i was big into 24 and i like you know, the
0: characters motivations are stated text in any given scene what they yeah. want is said out loud their emotional it's content dripping. is set, yep. was stated and then then the scene is over and then something else happens it escalates attention tension
1: yeah, no, so so I got big into 24, and I was, uh, this is like early 2000s, and I found my way onto a Yahoo group, if you remember what those were, and it was just like I a group of didn't have answers folks.
0: back then, just groups, folks. <laughs>
1: I found my way into a Yahoo group where we all just would talk about the show and we would dissect and discuss each episode and then we would uh, we would plan to be online at the same time that the new show was airing so that we could all be in the chat together and like talk about stuff as it was happening and that was like a really fun intense experience. I'm actually still friends with some of those folks. Um, we uh, we you know got into a few other shows and we stayed into contact and you know have uh, crossed paths in a few other places around the world. But no, that was that was kind of my first foray into like television and fandom that and for me a big one was just Comedy Central in general but early Daily Show like I was watching the Daily Show before Jon Stewart was the host when it was Craig Kilborn. oh
0: Craig Kilborn's and... brief time what? before yeah.
2: between there was a time before John Stewart there was
1: a time before Jon Stewart. <laughs> 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 Stewart and Craig Kilborn was a dick and Jon Stewart was such an upgrade but no I found my way onto the Comedy Central forums where I uh, got to meet other fans of the Daily Show and there was a group of us that like got to be really tight and as as that community got really large and toxic and full of trolls as large online communities tend to do, we actually migrated a group of us onto a separate forum. And then that forum that we kind of managed for a couple of years, um, where we started talking about just politics in general, but also all of our favorite TV shows that got kind of toxic as well. And so a smaller group of us migrated from that into a different forum, which I maintained. And my, my friend Jill and I ran for about 15 years. (laughs) We ran that forum for 15 years until finally like around 2016 is when it well, it was I would say it was like 12 years before it really died off. But like 2016 is where we started kind of petering out and stopped using it. But yeah, it was forums. That's how we met people and talked about stuff and Yahoo groups back in the day.
0: I'm so jealous. I never got to be in the weird X-Files BBS boards when all <laughs> that shit was, like, on. Like, all this guy's like, oh, Blue Book, blah, blah, and like, oh, there's nowhere to get this shit, right? Like, you yep. could buy a copy of Behold a Pale Horse. But there was really just not, like, a repository of, like, hey, would you like to hear about every conspiracy theory? And you're like, sure. Like, you can turn on the news now. And that's that was not how it used to be. And so that was what I'm sure that was a lot of fun. So I started to draw us back to where we started here. There's so many ways to engage with these things and like there was a pre-streaming way to do it and like you got your I found it a thrift story a copies of the box set VHS which of course is the way they expected you to experience it these were like $30 a piece there is a single episode of Star Trek on these tapes they have a big box it's like a bookshelf you were supposed to keep so many of them I used to have the Twin Peaks one that spelled out Twin Peaks and had like the little curtain at the bottom it was, it was fun oh, but like wow. this was the whole plan of media as well and like to order them from, say, Columbia Record House functionally, right? And like, they, oh, well, they're only they're a only dollar a piece, but you have to order all of them so they actually, and then they become 20 and $40. And it's a VHS, yeah. they're expensive. But yeah, so you were not able to watch these shows outside of syndication, so you had novelization. I grew mm-hmm. up reading a novelization, I think we talked about this before, a novelization of The Twilight Zone. It was just, just a list of plots and like a little bit from Rod Serling or some commentator at the end about how production went and like what was weird about about it I like, oh this is cool.
2: I knew the entire plot of the pilot of Voyager like for a decade before I watched it because of novelizations and like what
0: picture book like photo books of movies like oh, okay cool here's a photo book of Ghostbusters 2 and you're like I'm a child I shouldn't have watched this movie but also you shouldn't give me this isn't for why do I have this I mean I'm a fan I'm a- I enjoyed reading it very much I was a child but there was so little way to re-engage with this like and like this really encouraged the nerd like this is why it was nerd shit because only someone who's like severely tuned into exactly this thing and then has like the middle memory storage to to put away the name of the cat from He-Man after or like, I don't know pick like something further and more obscure right where it's like oh this is not something that comes up in every episode if any really besides the two or three that gets talked about and you got it on lock and you're like syndicated shows didn't come on that like right like these were hard to get a hold of for 40 years right they almost threw away all of Monty Python so like a lot of the stuff was just considered garbage at the time and the idea that we should have all of it all at our fingertips at any moment is way out out of step with how it was made for starters, but I don't know. So, one of the things I have, uh, one of y'all say, Stop now, quick. I'm really just suspicious. Say stop! Just choose. Uh, stop. stop. Cool. You have chosen card. Wow, that's amazing. Uh, this is Impel Trading Card 1991 Star Trek Card Seven Muds Women, oh, I, uh, boy. which is God. the so the image they've chosen for Muds Women is also not Harcourt Fenton Mud, not the women, that's not the Dilithiums. It's Kirk and Spock just sort of looking, kind of shocked at the idea that there might be some man wearing fancier pants than they. And I will read you this card because right, this is what they had, you had for experiencing this episode of television, the USS Enterprise burns out its dilithium crystals while catching Harry Mudd, not Harcourt Fenton Mudd, Harry Mudd, an intergalactic con man. Mudd is beamed aboard with three beautiful women who tempt the crew, including Captain Kirk. With Mudd finally in custody, what, they almost hit him with their car. That, that was with their spaceship. That was not the story that was told there. Oh yeah, it was a traffic yeah, stop. Yeah, it's a traffic stop gone wrong. So with Mudd finally, finally in custody, like you fucking just almost hit him with your spaceship. I'm sorry. Kirk files official charges against him. So now that he's in custody, charges are filed. This is a bad system. But the trial must wait while the ship replaces its crystals on a mining planet. The miners, all unmarried, quickly agree to Mudd's offer of gorgeous women in exchange for aiding his escape. They soon discover the wicked trick. The women use an illegal Venus drug to make themselves beautiful. Which, I mean, we we, talk about, <laughs> we talked about that before. But in the end, Kirk arrests Mudd again, this time on on drug charges.
1: Was that the episode we watched? Oh, it's good to know the war on drugs is going to live on into the 24th century.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Is that that the episode we watched?
1: No. So, the last things
2: I was watching before streaming Star Trek was not a thing anymore was some TOS. And I have to say, like, it is uncomfortable to watch. Like, oh,
0: it for sure is.
2: But, like, I don't know. The past few months, I haven't been able to
0: watch any of that raping. Imagine you would never (laughs) watched TOS and it's 1991. Yeah. And you are handed trading card number 7 and it is mud's women and you have this picture of Kirk and Spock and the description i just read absent my beautiful and very amusing commentary and that's your experience of harry mud that's that's mud's women for you no, there's no case gay- face pants there's none of it
1: do you have the one with the incel kid do you have that episode let's see whatever his face
0: is uh let's see who's in this one that's one of the ones i was talking about yeah it's awful i know but i do have the galileo 7 which is just the fucking (laughs) shuttle so like this again trade like these are sort of ridiculous and weird and sort of an obvious like collectible in search of a collector's market because these are all worth nothing because they made so many of them because the 90s was the home of the half million dollar superman original comic but those were all thrown away your mom threw those away that's there's only three of them left that's why that one's valuable it's not because it's good or anyone cares and like i don't know this is to me has always been a very fascinating way for like the encouraged and official way by paramount pictures to engage with this content in sort of the absence of their uh ability to get it to me all the time i will now see if i can find pervy original
1: pervy original
0: pervy episode two yeah With i don't know kids stop grabbing their asses you're a 17 year old demigod charlie x
1: <laughs> yeah that's what it is charlie x oh yeah yeah
2: that was rough yeah and like the two characters he was hitting on are clearly in a relationship like just butt out nah, nah. like
0: pink triangle on her sleeve well uh they did not wear sleeves back in the that 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 era of star trek that's the problem you gotta <laughs> pin it to the beehive I mean, find
2: someone in your life that looks at Uhura singing the way that
0: Yeoman looks at Uhura singing in that episode. (laughs) It is, of course, always acceptable to look at erotic slash fiction and fan fiction in lieu of licensed products as well. And that's just an important thing to remember.
2: Yeah, if the strike goes on too long, let's just go completely unlicensed for a while.
1: Like, so how did fan fiction really work pre, like, Reddit? Because.
0: Oh, you <sighs> just gave it to people. Like, the same way yeah. correspondence always worked is you would trade journals and send letters and, like, share chat books and shit. So you would press stuff and make it or print it out and then, like, bind it together with string or just share it as, like, a stapled magazine at a thing or maybe get bigger and make a bigger book. But if it's just something you do and then you go to the convention and share it or you get Give it to your friends because they also want to see a picture of Kirk and Spock kiss. I mean, it used to be feasible to do zines. I think right? it's pronounced sign. Is it really? Yeah.
1: I always thought it was zine.
0: No, no, it's Zine.
1: Okay. It's always been Zine. Why? I thought it was like a I thought it was like a, like a...
0: it's not a shortening of the word magazine. I don't I have any I more thought. comments. I'm not I'm not answering any further questions about this. It's a fucking sign, <laughs> and that's the end of it. <laughs> it Make fucking sense. <laughs> I think we're being trolled, Thank listeners. <laughs> see if they say Zine for the rest of the episode. Wink, wink. No, I no won't. it's never been Zine. That's uh, you're I right. You, you're, you're correct, but I'm very glad that I was able to catch on that delivery. It sounded it sounded solid. I've right? been hanging
2: out with a nine year old all day. My bullshit detection. Lying is, is super easy. Just do it. You just
0: say whatever. It's fine.
2: Um, no, that's <laughs> that's what this nine year old thinks. It's it's not as easy as he thinks. Wow. In fact, can we just stop the show and for a
0: second and say boys are gross (laughs) i mean yeah i'm not gonna like argue on this but i feel like it's not necessary to bring up
1: that was kind of the crux of your uh your recap of imzadi
0: paul you're a man
1: oh that's very gracious
0: of you then yes boys are gross (laughs) (laughs) oh my all right let's so i do not have carl x or whatever is that young wonderful young x Wait, yeah. why is why is the guardian of forever in the top of the gra- of the image for Imzadi? Is Carl in that book? Oh yeah, yeah. The whole thing is like the guardian is providing
2: this window into time, so that seventy-some-year-old Riker can go back in time fifty years and save Troy.
1: That's the crux of the novel is he goes back oh, in kind of favor.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. So their research into the Guardian kind of, fig- they figure out that they are kind of like two adjacent timelines and Riker and Data, old Riker and Data, sort of hatch this plot to jump themselves into the timeline where Troy survived.
0: Hol- holy shit. That is a massive, yeah. Yeah. massive
2: yeah. violation of the temporal prime directive. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Like God damn. it all hinges on this poem that Riker wrote for Deanna like many, many years ago, and it's terrible. They both think it's terrible. <laughs> and it's like how, how they like verify to each other what's going on in the various timelines. Okay, that's helpful wow.
0: though. Like if I had a shitty poem that we all knew and we'd need to use that as a synchronization.
2: It's like old Riker's like, no, believe me, remember this poem? And young Riker's like, yeah, I do. Okay, let's go save Troy. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So there's no Thomas Riker in this one? Well, I mean... Or is it?
2: Yeah, I mean, old Riker is probably Thomas Riker.
0: We know that the swap happened here on this show. I do like the idea of this also happening like after he's now like lived because now he's canonically lived on a pizza oven planet with Deanna Troy and their children in Picard. So like that's way that's a little bit later that Deanna Troy dies. So like he gets to have this moment of joy and like but then also oh no no that's that's
2: that's him benefiting from going back and changing the timeline. Oh.
1: Well, yeah, because they do imply in, well, they don't imply, they state it up up front in the uh, TNG finale that Troy dies at some point. And that's why there was a rift between uh, Riker and War. right.
0: Well, I'd like to let you know about um, Card 83, Transporter The Transporter aboard the USS Enterprise Is a marvel of engineering A transfer system in which the molecular structure Of a mass is disassembled into energy Then, quote, beamed See also Spaceballs To a predetermined location where the original Molecular structure is rematerialized Over the years, safe transporting Range has increased to 16,000 miles Objects can be transported farther than humans Located on Level 7 the transport platform features six pads. Pad one is used when a single person or object is beaming to or from the ship. The transporter operator stands with an enclosed control pod. Persons on the platform are protected from radiation by an invisible force field activated during the beaming process. It feels like being inside the beam would definitely be subjecting you to a lot of radiation card, but it feels I'm... like
2: this show was more accessible when we were making these cards than it
0: is now. <laughs> like, you I mean, know, I know what level it's on. That never comes up on the show. (laughs) Like every frame has a caption. (laughs) Right? All that glitter is just them being sent along like an internet wave. Oh, wait, you don't know what an internet wave is? Oh, man.
1: So I have a question about this because on the card you just read, it said that over the years that it... Okay. 16,000 miles. Okay. I misheard that for a second. I, I thought it was say, I thought I was thinking like 16,000 feet. And I was like, that's like half the height of a that's standard not a, That's airplane. not far. You're right. That's like nothing. <laughs> like, that's but 16,000 not miles, okay, is a, is a bit further.
0: You, yes, go, okay, you go orbit, ahead. right? You can hit places from orbit. I, for the, sure math that.
1: was not my strong suit in school, kids.
0: It's fine. None of this is real. So, Paul, tell me, when was
2: the first time you got online to be a fan of something?
0: Oh, I've never liked anything. That's my secret, Captain. Uh, so, Lies. I I was early internet-y, uh, so I was like uh, AOL and some ICQ, like I was shown how ICQ and like Mozilla, and, and oh, not Mozilla, Netscape rather, uh, worked by like the IT guy at the English department my mom worked. So, nice. that was like, I, I just sort of got needlessly, unnecessarily, luckily yeah. attached to the internet that way and i mean i had no i i didn't actually like or know anything particularly that i liked at that time but it was just a very odd like i play weird text rpgs weird group like massive that kind of MMORPG but like Zork I was very bad at because I was like I was not smart enough to know how this worked and it's all very strange stuff. like I don't know I never I still don't like anything I only get online to, be, to shit on stuff that's that I'm sorry I'm a born shit poster no uh, I, I think uh, the things that I have always enjoyed most online have always been memes jokes and the collective making fun of any of the things so I have always picked up a passing awareness of almost everything through the internet so I can yeah. get the jokes about it, which is bad. This is bad.
1: You know, for me, it was weird because, like, when I you're talking about AIM and ICQ, like, boy, that brings back some memories. Um, so, ICQ, is, I, I've told this story before in this podcast, but just as a as a refresh, ICQ is. Inadvertently responsible for the fact that I am married to my husband. Okay, <laughs> so here's the story.
0: The internet. It was worth it.
1: Yeah. So ICQ came along in the late '90s, and uh, back then, not everybody had a computer or an account, and didn't not everybody had internet access. And so, you know, the the goal for these different chat platforms was to get you to connect with other people that were using them, because that was the only way that you would continue to use the platform. Is it's if you a fax
0: machine it. problem. How do you sell the first one?
1: Right, exactly, exactly. So ICQ had this thing called the random chat feature, where it would just like randomly connect you to another person who was using ICQ anywhere in the world, and you would just chat with them. And you can imagine what a nightmare that would be, especially in early internet frontier days. But it so happened that I was using that one night when I was in college, uh, 1998, I want to say 97, maybe, and
0: You could bleep those out, (laughs) Ren.
1: I was uh, I was using the the random chat feature and I landed on uh, a connection with someone who would uh, I would go on to to remain very close friends with and I am still good friends with this person to this day more than 20 years later so that individual like we became really good friends we stayed in contact we started to like chat on the phone and we just just became really close and he ended up taking a job overseas and uh, I was in kind of a a shitty spot in my dead-end job in Atlanta and I was in a relationship that wasn't really going anywhere and so he was like hey listen I think that you would like this kind of experience you should apply for one of these jobs and so I did and that's how I ended up working overseas. And it was through that that I ended up meeting my husband and having the entire life that I have now, all because of a random chat connection on an instant messaging platform in, you know, the late 90s. Crazy. But, you know, back then, when I first was getting on the internet, it was still very much a novelty. You know, there was limited. Oh no, there was like available. very
0: serious pictures of space, and that was like it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Like had an angel fire page at some page at some point. If you remember what that was, <laughs> Lord, I don't know if I can even still like recover that because I don't even remember what I put on it. But it was it was a mess. So this was before any kind of social media, obviously. And when I was getting on, it was mostly about message forums and and chat rooms and uh, instant messenger platforms and email. That was pretty much all that the internet was, other than static pages where you could go look things up and you. Know, know, dubious about the the quality of the information or the accuracy of the information.
0: I have, you know, I researched six different CompuServe keywords this afternoon.
1: That's right. That's right. (laughs) And so that's why it wasn't until like the early 2000s when, you know, the internet was getting like more broad in scope that, um, When you, you didn't know,
0: have to know exactly what you want and exactly where it was located in yes. order to go to it. You could be like, I don't know, boobies. And they're like, ah, yes, <laughs> we have 10,000 results for boobies. <laughs> None right. of that. No. Well, I mean, right? That like it is very weird to live in the back end of Google now being terrible again right. from an age where it was never there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was a revelation when it happened. Like searching and indexing.
1: Mm-hmm. Like, oh. oh yeah, no. I know. Like I've had an Amazon account. Since I wanna say since nineteen ninety seven, like back when they only sold books. Since Jeff Bezos had hair. Yeah. Like that's that's how early I got on the internet. Like even before then I was. But you know, that's why I didn't get into like fan stuff until later when more of those kinds of options were available. And then message forums were really huge. And then they're super addictive because you just get in there, you make friends with people and you just talk about everything. And you can spend hours and hours dissecting things. It was really it was fun, but it was also it could be a very toxic environment as well.
0: Yeah. I won't hear any more of the slanderous talk about my only friend, the internet.
1: Actually, I will say this. (laughs) I will say this. There is something that, you know, listening to some of the like new information that is coming out. And I don't mean like new to existence, but like what what is like newly being made understood to the public. The
0: whistleblower Facebook information where they're actively feeding what they know is dangerous information directly to everyone. Exactly. Yeah.
1: And, and confirming what we all have kind of suspected about social media all along, you know, I, I will say that there was something of value to the fact that we had these smaller communities that had codes of conduct and that we had moderation that was done by live people and that could intervene when someone was acting up and being disruptive or dangerous or whatever. It didn't always work. Obviously, there was a lot of problems with it. But having... yeah, wait,
2: what are we using to record this podcast? Well, exactly. It's like this this roped off network that has live moderators? Yeah,
1: exactly. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, so obviously those kinds of communities still exist, but it's a really that's a really different experience than being on social media where you're basically being moderated by robots. I, I had a comment of mine on Facebook flagged yesterday because one of my friends posted a meme about Jeff Bezos sending William Shatner to space. And I replied to it with a link to our thread on the Gay Space Communism Twitter saying, like, hey, we're having a lot of fun with this on Gay Space Communism Twitter. And I had a screenshot of some of our choice tweets from that thread and it marked it as spam. I was like, fuck you, Facebook.
2: (laughs) Uh, The social media networks are feuding. No, and I think what I was getting at with that comment was we always needed that. We always needed the smaller community that was, you know, guided by real people. And, um, you know, there's a reason why we keep creating that format no matter what. It's cool to hear about sort of this. This before time in the internet for me, because I kind of like when I joined the world, it was like AIM was already had been a thing and like everybody had a live journal, you know, and like I joined it specifically to talk about sex and vampires. Like that was that was my kind of like why I was on the internet.
0: I feel like you found a community pretty quickly with that, huh? Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) like everybody on live journal.
1: (laughs) Did you do any writing about that? Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) You don't have to answer that.
0: (laughs) In fact, please don't. Yes. All right. There's a
1: lot of things that I used to say. Let me just say this. So that that forum that I ran for over a decade, it is under absolute lock and key because by the time we had migrated from several different forums down to, we actually went to three different forums um, before we landed on the one that that my friend Jill and I ran for over a decade. And by the time we got to that point, like we were just so sick of like the really, really toxic people that we like heavily moderated, like the the people that were you had to be, the forum wasn't even visible like if you didn't have the direct link and an, and an active login and you had to be invited and in by someone who was already a member and like vetted before you could join and like on like a probationary period to make sure you weren't going to be a troll. So because it was so locked down, like we were very open <laughs> about all kinds of stuff. And I, you know, you're, I'm not going to be one of those people where they like secretly like expose a bunch of racist stuff because I just never did that. But I definitely said a bunch of dumb shit, probably a lot of it tied to conservative politics that i used to be more identified with that uh, i certainly would not want to have dumped out into the world today and if i did i would have to say like yep that's not who i am anymore it's uh you know so i'm just glad that all that's under lock and key and look it was a key.
0: different time okay it
2: was
1: <laughs> it was
2: yeah it was a time when like all that denial was in full force and the shit i wrote about is the eggiest shit you've ever heard like ugh. Oh, uh, the horror stories I used oh, to in like, Oh,
0: back when vampires used to just be horny and not teeny bobby. No, they were always <laughs> like that. It's, yeah. it's a penetration metaphor. Is it? Is no, it? It's
2: a penetration On metaphor.
0: the
1: internet? Really?
0: Wait a minute. Let me look at <laughs> yeah, the that whole out. internet. Nope, nope. It's a checks out. metaphor. checks out. <laughs> Vlad the Impaler, turns out. That's also a boner thing. <laughs> yep. Um...
2: No, it's interesting because cause you got to pay attention to who swallows, too.
0: Oh, I have something. Oh, wait here.
1: Okay, so Paul has stepped away. I'm assuming he's gone to retrieve some other kind of artifact that we're going to be able to see and we're going to have to describe for you, dear listeners.
2: Uh, quick, let's just talk about bodies a whole lot. Yeah,
1: like how glorious they are and how much we love bodies.
2: <laughs> bodies are fantastic. I
1: loved our body positivity episode. Have you ever episode.
2: tried nerve endings? <laughs>
1: <laughs> you missed it, Paul. While you were gone, we were talking about how great bodies are.
2: Well, you're free to be wrong on your
0: own time.
2: (laughs) Uh, What do we got for us, Paul?
0: Well, so I've been doing some collage work and uh, we'll just because, you know, sit around watching movies, you cut up things you have. I got a lot of Scientific American. That magazine's really racist, it turns out. Very interesting. A lot of of genetic essentialism in there that you weren't necessarily expecting. And a lot of talk about peak oil. Turns out we're going to be fine. That being said, I also found some adult magazines, very specifically a Hustler production, which was called Sex Adventures, I believe, but this is definitely Space Space Probe. Face probe and we have a man who is wearing up oh, that's a bad wig and these are horrible eyebrows very bad lighting and you know, very unlicensed costumes here. But you nice are gonna you-
1: have to scan a photo of that to post to Twitter when we put this up on this episode up.
0: Unfortunately I uh, this uh, the Ahura Spock relationship is oh. canonical as of Matty oh Clat uh, having this very <laughs> badly put together set. Wow! Um, um,
2: I'll be needing it's that. It's logical.
0: One. Don't worry to go down, folks. So yes, now this is just one of the many ways you can enjoy unlicensed Star Trek content is through the power oh of gosh. Larry Flint's <laughs> terrible magazine production. Uh, also, I did not realize wow. that these uh, these fish nets were part oh. of the official uniform. Uh, this is not what I was. expecting. No, it is not, is it? It's not what I was expecting either when I flipped over been sex adventure to see How if there was anything in your
1: possession paul i need to know
0: <laughs> like a week like again oh, i've been doing collage stuff
1: acquisition
0: <laughs> uh, a friend of like well i've been bust out a big box of magazines oh shit it old there's old pornography in magazines for collaging one of them was hustlers <laughs> sex adventure these people also offered filler up which is a gas station adventure <gasps> Um, it's fill her up, listeners. You see, it's a gas. See, it's because it's, it's two women. They're going to, yeah, y'all get it.
1: Yeah, you get it. You've okay. been on the
0: internet. All right. Uh, horny
2: trans Twitter, real quick, about, about this kind of issue. Like, all that kind of shit is fantastic. You know, the progesterone's rushing through your body for the first time. But just remember, we have like one of the highest HIV rates because of well survival sex work and like wanting validation so like just protect yourselves y'all i hear too much discourse that
0: implies unprotected sex it's not discourse it's just horny if you and your commanding officer are just on the bridge third shift you're just sitting there working the comms and they're sitting in the big chair and then one thing leads to another please do wrap it up That's, that's all
1: Here's a question. Data is fully functional. Do you need to have protected sex with data?
2: I mean, it's, it's kind of like uh, using condoms on a sex toy. Like if you're not fluid bonded with everybody involved, then, you know, there's a transmission
0: vector there.
1: That's true.
2: I'm considering a sex advice podcast.
0: <laughs> Surely I could just set the phaser to like boil and just, you know, fomp fomp bop, knock it clean there, right? Like, it's not like I'm damaging the external surfaces in the same way that I would be like destroying the cell matter to apply bleach to a wiener. You see what I'm saying, right? Like, I mean, soap and water. Are though. you
1: suggesting phasering your wiener?
0: I'm suggesting phasering Data's wiener.
1: That's that's rude. Well, I mean, no, it's sanitary. (laughs)
0: Actually,
2: boys, soap and water works. You could just, like, excuse yourself if things are going that direction
0: and use a little soap and water. Well, I mean, it's on him, but he's the one that I'm clean off the toy in this context, right? That was where this metaphor started. I'm assuming that, yes, I can use astringent disinfectants on Data's external surfaces because they're metal. This is different than, like, any person for reasons I hope that are obvious. (laughs) I, I just think soap and water would work
2: just and fine, unless... unless unless, is data's skin like that kind of porous silicone you don't want
0: to use yeah
1: i think it might be that's the thing
0: because then you should always use a condom with data i mean it like when he pushes on his head it's like a little case opens up so i feel like yeah but if you look at the
1: surface of it you know it's like some kind of polymer uh, some kind of like textured thing you know
2: are there circuit boards in data's penis
1: oh well he would have to be
0: no vacuum (laughs) tube idiot All right. That's, that'll be all for me tonight. No, it's been a lot of good. This has been a good time. We're, we've been doing the show. Oh. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay. Here are other questions here's like what you can watch other stuff right like the BBC is not up for grabs I say go out there and enjoy Red Dwarf it's probably on YouTube it got made 40 years ago with trash effects but it's a lot of fun it's every science fiction story folded together they do all this they got a robot they got a hologram guy they got a cat guy they got a guy guy they're all very low class low status and having a good time cruising across the universe getting into every dumb paradox scenario you can come up with yep. I just thought I'd throw it out there because because, uh, yeah, if y'all got anything else, it's definitely not going to make IATSE sad. Well, you
1: know, like we said, we're we're going to be playing it by ear for uh for however long the strike is going on. Um, we are going to try and get some IATSE folks on to uh, to chat with you all about what it's like to work on these, uh, work production on these shows and like what their experience has been like so that you can hear it from them firsthand. And uh, uh, we're going to dive into some more books, probably. You know, we might just get together and talk about some, some uh, issues and we can still talk about things that we, we know about Star Trek. I mean, we've all watched enough Star Trek that we have a lot of this stuff. Memorized, but well, and the whole
0: point of this show is if you have not watched all of the Star Trek, what? what well, exactly, what?
1: exactly. So we'll we'll probably have to avoid talking about like the newer stuff. Like I, I haven't watched the finale of uh, of Lower Decks yet, so I'm going to make sure that happens before Monday. Because if you're listening to this, if they have gone on strike, I will certainly be doing this. I'll be canceling my streaming services until the, the strike is over. I told my husband that, and he doesn't watch TV, and he was like, okay whatever <laughs> i'm like i don't think you understand this is gonna hurt me
2: <laughs> yeah i'm going back to reading no
1: i'm just kidding it's right. not gonna hurt me it's i'm gonna, gonna read i'm gonna to yeah, read. yeah i've got i got a lot of books to read i've got a, still two-thirds of the expanse novels to finish you know we're uh, we're hoping to have a good discussion about the expanse novels and the expanse show at some point and i want to get through the books before i do that so we got some some good things to talk about
2: yeah, i mean netflix and the other streaming services should really be like afraid they're competing with the human imagination
0: <laughs> oh we are fucked then we might as well surrender now <laughs> god damn we are bad oh shit oh yeah so
1: we'll be. We um, i'm
0: gonna get into some comic books because there's some fun mirror mirror tng Ooh. stuff that has been written. That seems very cool. Like Data starts throwing Borg parts on his arms. Deanna Troy is a way more of like a manipulator, like an active, like someone who destroys your brain for you. Picard is still in charge barclay is in the issue that i have picked up that i like oh i like this yeah so you know like there's still a lot of space you can play in here that is you know it allows you to show solidarity and enjoy your franchise if you'd like and otherwise well it's fine use your imagination like Amy
1: said. one of the other things we could do is um you know our, our good buddy will was on last week and he um, at the time of recording he was on last week and he was talking about how he's been watching the playthroughs of the old video games that are available on youtube i think that would be fair fair game
0: You know what? And that will tie back into a conversation we were having with Troy, which was Klingon, the video game that has Galron on the cover. And I bet you playthroughs are on YouTube and golly, we can do this. Yeah. And, oh my, I mean, you know, we'll play it by ear. We're going to, we understand that this is a show about a television show and we would like to also keep making the show, but we would like to encourage you to not watch television because, you know, the thing. That being said, we're going to try and get some, uh, some lovely guests from the, uh, the IATSE community out here. I would like to, uh, well, the IATSE community, fucking the brothers and sisters to goddamn hang the lights Mm -hmm. and sweep up all the shit and hang all the fucking walls and build all the crap. Like we're fellow workers. Yeah. But they do like a cool job. I do some dumb bullshit mm-hmm. <laughs> i know and it's like that six days a week 12 hour days is the stock run for that job like that is how the regular cycle of that works which is madness because yeah. it's a tv show it doesn't matter no you this can matters you
1: say something really quick like this is a little bit of a sidebar so like a few weeks ago when we were
0: Sorry, this is a very, very straightforward on the rails episode. So um, nope. no. So
1: a few weeks ago when we were recording about the withdrawal from Afghanistan, I was talking about my experiences as a contractor. You know, I've had the opportunity to talk about that in a few other spaces since then. And here's something that, that has struck me is it used to be, even just a couple of years ago, it used to be that when I would tell people that I worked 12 hours a day, like our standard shift was 12 hours a day, we worked seven days a week, and that a lot of times we would be pushed to working 14, 16 hours a day for like long stretches of time.
0: Oh, well, the immediate normal reaction is that's fucked.
1: Well, right, exactly. But like ATSI pending strike, the Nabisco strike, the Frito-Lay strike, they all talk about the same thing, where they're talking about being forced to work what they call suicide shifts, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. It's nuts.
0: Standing over a giant hopper that could just spin you around and suddenly you're in the Triscuits?
1: Exactly. And here's the thing. Like when I was working 16 hours a day in a war zone, that was hard. That was really, really hard. And I had a relatively easy job, you know, all things considered. But It was a hard environment to be in, hard schedule to keep. But everything was set up for us to be able to maintain that schedule as efficiently as possible. We had a a dining facility that we went to to get our meals that people cooked for us. We had a, a laundry service where we could drop off our laundry. We were sequestered in this place where we that was all we did was work and sleep and work and sleep and work and sleep. And then we would have like three weeks off to go like recover for a bit and then come back and do it again. But these folks that are being pushed to work these crazy hours seven days a week still, they're expected to have a regular life. They have to drive to their home at the end of that crazy schedule. Do their they own to laundry. Do their own make their days. own meal. They have meals. kids that they're yeah. taking to school. They're missing family birthdays. They don't get three week vacations every four months. And so like when, when I was doing that kind of work, it was pitched to us as, well, this is kind of a, an unusual circumstance. This is a, you know, you're in a freaking war zone that's just the nature of the mission and like that was kind of how they pitched it to us but you're making fucking chips (laughs) you're making fruit loops okay there is nothing that you're doing in one of these factories that can't wait until tomorrow nothing it's insane it's not surprising because that's capitalism but it's just insane that that has become so much the norm that people don't even blink when i tell them about working 16 hours a day anymore
0: yeah No, it's, I mean, and that's a good job, right? This is ultimately one of the few union jobs left in America for Mm -hmm. the most part. Like, and like, and as living in Atlanta and in Georgia, they showed up and they got vicious tax breaks to do it. Same thing happened to Mm -hmm. Baton Rouge or in Louisiana generally, but like, it's also like a job you could just get and do that pays you enough to live mm-hmm. and like has decent like you could get this level of working your body to death mm-hmm. elsewhere for way less yeah. money but it's still and like it but uh, that speaks to the quality of all these the issue is that these guys have four yeah. bosses right I ultimately has like four bosses it's those production studios and everyone else falls in the line it's really hard to do that for a lot of industries and I think that's one of the and like but it is amazing and wonderful to see this especially happen like oh cool it's a bunch of people that's not fancy shit it's nobody's like they just like yeah. Well, do, do i sweep up and i fucking hang lights i fucking nail drywall and then somebody paints it yeah. i don't know like there's fun jobs in there too but a bunch of it's just but it's stuff. all but
1: it's all work it's you all know. really difficult work yeah. that is hard on your body and especially for these kinds of wild hours and then you add on that the stress of the pandemic it's just
0: Oh, and do it fast and in this weird shape no one's made a thing ever before. Yeah. Yeah. This like, is
1: uh this is why we are striving for our gay space communism future. Because this shit that we are living in, this dystopian hellscape that is our current reality is not sustainable.
0: Yeah, there will always be work to do. You'll have to do some yep. of it. But, man, Jellicoe was fucking on point with four duty shifts. That's a six-hour workday. Yeah. Those motherfuckers complained about that. <laughs> no, I want to work at eight. I want to work three eights. Hey, <laughs> fucking idiots. Goddamn. Like, fucking Je- put on a uniform. Yeah mariana sardis and like the actress like finally i'm actually like wearing a dick i have to wear the fucking i'm a bridge officer why are my tits out (laughs) anyway uh that being said uh jellico jellico is a real hero ultimately he's not a nice man but they can't all be picards well in these certain times you can count on continuing book
1: reports
2: about uh star trek novels oh yeah yeah.
0: we're gonna do some video games we're gonna do some more cards i will see if i can find some more of these these are the 25th anniversary impels but if you have trading cards and you'd like to share them with all of us of course feel free to do that via our twitter i also have i'm gonna give you guys a card to part with not one of the two cards dedicated to tos phasers of course one ship one in hand but both cards titled phasers they're like 100 cards away from each other it's like 90 and 153 there's no really should just be fine uh this card is Marina Sirtis, you know, the actress that plays Deanna Troy. in theory, star of, but in no way participant in the book of Book Report fame because she didn't even do her own voice. And thank God for that. It says all that on the card, mind you, that I'm just, I'm just reading this. (laughs) No, but this card sits alongside other cards like Captain Picard and William T. Riker and Captain Kirk. I assume there's a Deanna Troy card elsewhere in this set. Maybe not. I also assume that there are William Shatner in other cards for that, but who knows. That being said, the talented actress who portrays counselor Deanna Troy, the half-human, half-betasoid empath aboard the USS Enterprise, which this card is written as though you have never heard of this program before, (laughs) right? Like, Mariana Sardis has mixed origins of her own. Ooh. She was born in North London to Greek parents, so to Greek, so she's Greek. But parents are Greek, but she was born in, but they were in London, which is very close to Greece in a lot of, in like almost every way.
1: Not a mixed origin at all.
0: (laughs) It's less than sixteen, the sixteen thousand miles you would transport in. I mean, ultimately. Uh So I'm sorry. Let's keep. Let me keep that going. Fans of Star Trek: The Next Generation, which you may be owner of this card, but maybe not. You might detect a variety of accents from Marina—a a deliberate affectation on her part. In the 24th century, geog- geographical and nationalistic barriers are not so evident. She explains, "The Earth is, as a planet, is your country, your nationality." I didn't want anyone to be able to pin down my accent to any particular country. Mariana has performed extensively on British television as well as in musical theater and repertory companies throughout Europe. Her film credits include The Wicked Lady and With Faye Dunaway and Death Wish 3 opposite Charles Bronson. We'll be watching Death Wish 3 for a future episode. I also want to say that that's already just the Atlantic accent, yeah. right? Like, that's the Atlantic radio accent. That's the BBC accent. It's like, oh, hey, we we got a lot of weirdos speaking a lot of, a lot of accents. We should just have, like, one guy who's like, hello, I will read the news now. My name is Dave Starlington, and I am the news guy. And then, like, a thousand people started talking like that, and now that's a thing we do
1: thing about about marina's voice is that like her accent as deanna troy it's really not materially different than her actual accent other than it's noticeably more nasal and maybe that's what she means i don't
0: know the card says she's acting really hard
1: okay (laughs) i've been corrected by the card
0: (laughs) No, you're you're I I actually do am not familiar enough with the rest of her work to be able to make a a statement on that. So I suppose I will now have to go watch Death Wish three before I cancel my streaming service. Well, no, I
1: was just comparing it to like some of her interviews that I've heard her do, like listening to her speak in her natural voice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because I actually I don't think I've ever watched anything else that she's done.
0: Well, not let this be a lesson to us all. But yeah, no, I guess. Yeah, you're right. I've heard her in interviews and she does not come. On, it does not seem that far yeah. from woman born in London to Greek parents. But e. hey, got her all. Everyone's got a mixed origins. I'm, I, for example, my parents were of different genders.
1: <laughs>
0: there you go. It's just the way I, that's just the way my family was. It's, you know, I don't, we don't try and impose that on everyone else. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, the pitch cycle thing is in flux. So check us out on Twitter. It's at Gay Space Cast. Listen to more episodes. Tell other people to listen to them and send us trading cards and get on our Twitter. Do other stuff for us. Uh, tweet at me, Paul Byron, at hashtag subtext and my co-hosts at their places of interest, which are... You're looking for Amelia
2: Hassel at a Hassel
0: on Twitter.
1: And I'm Corey Archibald at CM Archibald on Twitter. You can find me there.
0: And uh, we are part of Not Safe Media that has a Patreon. Uh, we'll insert something here if need be. I'm not sure how that's all. We'll find out later what we're landing. I in.
1: think we're working on setting up our own Patreon too, so.
0: And by the time this is recorded, this part might not be here. I could be saying the name of our Patreon. Right. And as always, everyone, Space the Rich!
1: Space they're rich, especially if they run Netflix.
0: Space the rich. Oh man, love y'all. Oh, we love you. We don't. I'm I'm fond of you, but I'm not. Love <laughs> it seems strong.